This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, I'm Jesse Stein, and I am CEO and founder of Audience.co. I have a 25-year background as a digital marketing entrepreneur. I founded, for example, sportsmemorabilia.com. I bought that as a raw domain name, and we grew it into the biggest autograph store on the internet, top 500 internet retailer. I've been very lucky to exit three other businesses, and we don't have enough time in this podcast for me to tell you about all the things that haven't worked out. But now I am CEO and founder of audience.co. We have handwriting robots that hold pens and write exactly like humans in 15 different fonts. And we engineer these beautiful handwritten notes with beautiful graphics on the front and that envelope is handwritten, a real first class postage stamp gets applied there. And we send the notes on behalf of everyone from realtors to attorneys, actually across 37 different industries. And those notes get sent and then we have a whole digital marketing follow-up system. So I'm really looking forward to adding value to your listeners and also just getting them hacks and shortcuts that they can use, especially with respect to content marketing. Awesome. Jesse, thank you for being here. There's so many things just in that intro that I feel like I could follow up and that would make the show, we, we, we would practically be done. But the focus, we're going to kind of hone in and focus on what are the latest content marketing hacks because what you're describing in these cards that you're sending out especially the level of detail that's there we'll dig into that but that's content marketing i think everybody thinks of content marketing or a lot of people think of content marketing and they just think blog post but there's so much more that's involved in content marketing so many other elements even just going out and meeting people and networking that can be some part of your content marketing if you if you have a system for that but i also love what you mentioned about systems and kind of creating hacks and shortcuts because we all need that you know there's only so many hours in the day but let's start first with content marketing and talk about how to create a system for this and, and why that matters. Yeah, God, there's so many amazing hacks and shortcuts, but let me start from the top. So the most important thing, and this should be your true north, is you should be thinking about how you add value to your audience. Yes. So it's all about give, 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 and then you get. So, for example, if you are a corporate attorney in yeah. Austin, Texas, think about everything you know, everything you've experienced. And then the easiest, fastest, cheapest way to do this, and this is a great hack, is open up your voice memo on your phone and speak into it. And stream of consciousness say everything just go topic by topic and then use a transcription tool like temi.com t-e-m-i.com it's ai-based transcription 99 percent accurate it does it in minutes so you could have a 
three-hour voice memo, and three minutes later, you get back from Timmy this incredible transcription of everything you just said. Then go to probably a couple of you have heard about ChatGPT. <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to come up. It, it seems like you can't have a conversation about content oh. these days without talking about it. <laughs> 100%. So the third oh. step, and a lot of hacks that are really valuable and repeatable and, and not here today and gone tomorrow like are multi-step. There's, these are really simple steps, but they're multi-step. So after the Temi transcription, go to chat GPT. And what you can do is you can sign up for a service like Jasper.ai, which uses- I love Jasper. Jasper's awesome. It is the best. Jasper's great. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so you can go to Jasper, for example, or go directly to OpenAI and click on ChatGPT and use GPT-4. Take that Timmy transcript, okay, put it in there and ask ChatGPT or Jasper to summarize it, reword it, make it ready for a video script. Then you can do a number of things with that, what I call source content. So what you can do is you can create blog posts yep. out of it. You can load it up into a teleprompter, which that sounds very sophisticated, but literally go to Amazon, spend 69 bucks, get a teleprompter that can go in front of your iPhone. You can put your iPhone into a, a little tripod that costs another 30 bucks. And there's, an, there's an iPhone app for teleprompting too. You can just add an app into your phone that where you put the teleprompter in and then all of a sudden you've got the, the words the right there on the screen. Yep, exactly. So my favorite teleprompter app is called Smart Prompt Pro. And Smart Prompt Pro is awesome because what you need, you need your iPhone and you need an iPad. It can be an iPad mini, it can be a normal size iPad. And what you do is you use your phone as your remote control and then for the teleprompter. And then what happens is your text is scrolling on the iPad and you're, because of the teleprompter, it's reflected directly. And you're looking directly into the camera. So you look like a total pro. Yeah. And then you can record all this amazing content. So even if you're someone that's never recorded video necessarily before, the hack that I just gave you is an amazing one for building expertise, authority, and trust. And here's here's the deal, okay? This is really important. This is nuanced, but really, it's the difference that makes all the difference. Yeah. Never, like we are so tired as consumers, as prospective clients of attorneys, let's say, yeah. of people on social media, on YouTube, on Instagram, Facebook, elsewhere, wagging their finger at you and telling you what you should do. Yeah. Instead, you have to do, yeah. Exactly. Instead, yeah. focus on this. This is the vibe. Instead of you should, it should be I did. We yeah. did. This is what we did. For example, you know, this morning I had oatmeal for breakfast. No one no one could argue with that, right? That's <laughs> not that's my that's my Are life. Sure that's what I did. I feel like <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Let's pretend I'm a health coach, right? I'm a nutrition yeah. coach. Let's, let's pretend. And I had oatmeal today with chia seeds and, you know, flaxseed and, and unsweetened almond milk. I'm making this up. Yeah. Verse, versus, check out the difference. Versus, you should have oatmeal. Right. With these things. For, right. for the moment you say you should, your audience tunes out. So with yep. content marketing, 
I always think about first principles, right? With content marketing, the first principle is I did versus you should, hey, I'm just sharing this aspect of the law that I've practiced now. Hey, it's worked for me and my clients. It may or may not work for you. Here's, Here's the information. And what will happen is you will turn strangers into friends and friends into clients and clients into volunteer marketers because the whole thrust of who you are and what you do is give, 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 give. That's not any expectation of anything in return. Okay, so my question is, I'm constantly talking about how you need to position your message so that you're solving problems and you're addressing their needs and their pain points and all of that. How do you flip the I did or we did or this is what we did to speak to that client issue and their question and their pain point. Because where we see a lot of websites and messaging go wrong is it starts out with the I did in the wrong kind of way. Like it's very, it comes across as very egotistical Mm -hmm. and it's things like I went to Harvard Law School Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily a conversation. It's more like an ego practice. Like I need to tell you about these things. I think it's super important. And so how do you have that conversation where you're also taking into account what they're coming to you for and what they need? Yeah, so here's where it starts. I've got a great hack for this. Okay, and perfect. It's a, and it's, it's a way to keep ego completely out of it and a way to understand exactly what questions your audience really wants answers to. So yeah. what you do is you go to Google and you type in keywords that are relevant to the types of topics around which you practice law and where you've really built crazy expertise. Type in those keywords and then check it out. This is really cool. So scroll down on the results page and probably a lot of you know, or some of you know about a section of the Google search engine results page that says people also ask. Yeah, so I'm virtually so good. Yeah, it's really good. But here's the here's the hack. You scroll down to that people also ask section, and in that section, you're going to see all the different questions that people ask that are relevant to the keyword that you just typed in. And what yep. you do is you I want you to click in that section. What happens is it'll spawn more questions. And it usually maxes out at around 70 or 80 questions. And so you keep clicking, keep clicking, keep clicking. Okay, what is this? This is with all of Google's compute power, with all other algorithmic processing power, all the questions that they deem relevant to, I'm making this up, but a, you know, well, an Austin, Texas, you know, corporate attorney and all the different topics that you want to explore. Now, even more important than those questions, are the answers. What Google supplies there in the people also ask section, remember you've already clicked and so you have let's say 70 or 80 questions there. You also have all the most authoritative answers there. So what happens is this. So what I always like when someone teaches me something is it's like, put a bow around it, tell me how to execute it so I can start tomorrow to help grow my business. So here we go, Let's, let's just take it to the finish line. So have a spreadsheet, could be a Google sheet, could be an Excel spreadsheet, open that up. Column A is the keyword you just typed in. Column B is the question that was asked 
and people also ask. Remember, there should be 70 or 80 of those. And you can type in multiple keywords, and so you can have in this Excel spreadsheet hundreds and hundreds of rows. Then column C is the answer. Column C is the answer that Google, with all of its compute power, has deemed to be the most authoritative answer. Okay, so what you have so far is you have this incredible Wikipedia, essentially, this keyword universe, yeah. all in one fell swoop. Literally, we're only like an hour in now on, right. on working on this hack. Like, this is really powerful. Then the question becomes, well, what do you do with it and why is it useful? So as you know, you can't just like take content that's already indexed on Google and post it on your blog and post it right. to the queue. It's yeah, like content. Bad. You'll yeah. get no love. You'll get no yeah. love from Google. So what you no, do- No, you get negative love. You get, you get some you know, unhappiness, hate from Google if you do that. And you know, in, in case there's anybody who's just putting together a website and hasn't done this before, if Google finds that there's duplicate content, especially if it can, it can, you know, it can verify that the other stuff was there first, and you know, you came along and you're copying their stuff, you get such negative, bad mojo, for lack of a better word, from Google. So don't do that. There's no reason to do that with the tools that we have now. Exactly. And here's here's also a catch, and this is worth the price of admission right here. Don't run these through chat GPT. Okay? Yes. And don't have them rewritten by chat GPT. Why? They might sound awesome, but Google is in the middle of, and perhaps has already finished developing systems that can detect whether you've created content using AI and they will yeah. demote you just as if you created duplicate content. So you have to be really careful. And I have, a really fast way for you to have these rewritten. You want to go to a site called Writer Access, W-R-I-T-E-R, access.com. It's like the Uber of writers. It's like the Upwork for writers. And it's phenomenal. It's You go and for about four cents a word, you can have these 80 to 100 word answers rewritten. I want you to have them rewritten twice. So let's say you have 200 of these questions and answers. Don't rewrite the question, by the way. Your question's fine as it is. The answers have those rewritten twice. So now in your spreadsheet, you have two sets of these amazing answers, okay? What you do is post the first as an FAQ on your website, and this will give you so much EAT, expertise, authority, and trust, which is yes. the, the cornerstone of Google's algorithm. And the second set, go to Quora.com, Q-U-O-R-A. A.com, and that is the Q&A website, and Google has an unnatural enamoration of yeah, it They and love Quora. everybody has probably seen it, because like that comes up real high on the search results, and, and you probably are familiar with their logo. It's so bad. It's like a, a blackish gray cue. It's so ugly, and as soon as I said that, everybody, it just popped in everybody's brain. So you've seen Quora, and so this is a great hack idea. Yeah, Sorry, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. This great. This is great. It's a conversation. I love it. So go to Quora and you can look for the question yeah. and then you, you then answer that question on Quora. And I'm telling you, within days, what happens is Google will see that you're answering all these questions on Quora and it'll give you an algorithmic gold star that yes. then triangulates back to your website and it will elevate what the content that you post 
on your website. So that right. one-two punch of Quora and then posting an FAQ is really powerful. Now, the added benefit of this is huge, which is about 50% of all search queries are done via voice. Siri, yeah. Alexa, Google Voice, and so forth. And what voice algorithms love short, snappy answers. And that's exactly what people also ask answers are. And those rewritten answers that you have, they're short and snappy and totally made for voice search. So yes. now you, as that Austin corporate attorney, are going to come up often when people are asking questions, when they're in their car, whatever. And as you know, modern marketing is about multiple touches. It's about yeah. integrated. It's about content across every imaginable platform. And that right. includes voice search. Well, and what I want to underline is that you talked about having the two versions of that answer. And the genius of this suggestion is, and this is really important and why I'm underlining it, is that you can't have the same answer over on Quora as you have on your site. Because then Google sees that as duplicate content. And then all of a sudden, all this work you're doing and all this effort is not seen in the same way. And so it's really important to make sure that you have the two answers that are similar, but differently worded to that same question. That's so that you know you can see the answer over at Quora, Google can see that answer over at there, there, and then it references back to your website that has a slightly different answer to the same question. And it all kind of creates this great kind of fulfilling loop of, of that same question where you're now getting some, some good traffic from that because you're kind of checking all the boxes following the rules that Google wants you to follow. So that's, that's awesome and genius. And I just wanted to kind of reinstate that because it's important not to skip that step. 100%. And this kind of just making sure that we put a bow around the package in terms of like the original question about yeah. answering people's questions without involving ego. So just make sure that you are not slipping in gratuitous statements yes. about where you went to school or this or that, anything that could be cringy. And, right. and remember, your millennials, millennials are your future clients or your current clients. Millennials yeah. are, I think, as old as 38 years old now. And so you're, this crazy. generation hates that type of name dropping, or yeah. just they just think it's cringy and they'll be yeah. turned off. So just focus on adding value. Just focus okay, on so building expertise, authority, and trust. All right, so I wanna to come to the trust next, but before I do that, how, so we were talking about how to say I did, like you were mentioning kind of, say I did, don't talk about you should, but how do you tie the I did in with this content strategy of answering these questions without being cringy, like you were saying? Absolutely. So look at, there's a great follow-up question. So look at all these answers to all of those questions and then think about what personal experience do I bring to bear with yeah. each of these and put that in there in a way that just adds value and texture. Yeah. And the whole name of the game here, what you're going for is you are trying to help them do all this themselves so they don't need you. You give away, when in doubt, give away all the secrets, give away all the hacks, give away everything. I guarantee you, you'll get way more business as a result of that than right. withholding. People can yeah. feel when you're withholding. Yeah. And when, you, when you're the type of person that gives, 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 I guarantee in your business, no matter what business you have and how big it is, whether you're a solo 
attorney, you have a huge firm, you will create the most important thing of all, which is a virality loop, which is yeah. which means your clients, your current clients will feel obligated, almost like it's a moral obligation to refer yeah. out business to you. You know, the, the thing that I always refer to when it comes to this topic is I'm a huge fan of Trader Joe's and things have changed since the pandemic, but you know, they have that sample corner and they don't do that just because they're great people. <laughs> they do that because they know it drives sales. And so now they've changed it a little bit, you know, because, you know, the pandemic and all that stuff, but they still have samples and they, they provide these samples because, and regularly, whatever that sample is, I'm tasting it. It always tastes better in the store and I will buy it probably at least 60, 70% of the time. And it's not something that was on my list. I'm a very like systematic person with a list. It's not something that necessarily always even tastes as good when I get home. <laughs> like it always, and I, attribute that to this this feeling of obligation you've got this nice kind of free thing that they've provided for you and there is just a trigger in your brain where you feel like okay they've given me something great i have a feeling of obligation and i'm not going to buy it if i really don't like it but if it's even a medium eh, that was pretty good i'm going to just grab it and be like okay so think about this idea of samples and kind of the kind of gratitude and obligation that people automatically have these triggers for in their brain and how you can kind of capitalize on that without being smarmy you know you you have to do it in a good solid legitimate way where you're not being like a used car salesman Although they don't really give anything away. <laughs> they're they're, they're kind of, you know, they're, they just kind of lead with the sale. So kind of going down that road, you talked about the EAT, the expertise, authority, and trust. I wanted to dig into the trust side of it because I think this lines up with what we're talking about. I did versus you should. I don't trust someone who tells me I should because it's like, how do you, you don't know who I am. You don't know how, I, you know, what my life is like and what, what I should be doing. I want to know why the idea that you're offering is important to me and how that kind of fits in my life. And then let's talk about that in relation to how you destroy that trust and how, like, I know you have talked about these fake notes that people get. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because I instantly, when I get notes that look fake, I am constantly looking to see, is, does this look like it was done? Did the... the did this get mailed out by machine? Does this look fake? Does, and then as soon as I decide that it's fake, whatever benefits that that marketer was going to get it, are totally destroyed. So that was kind of a long build up to this idea of trust. But let's dig into this idea of how you how you build trust with this content without being fake and ruining it. Yeah. So you're referring to now the notes or the other content or all the above? All of the above, <laughs> whatever, whichever direction you want to go with. <laughs> yeah. So my policy is always to be totally transparent. So what, for yeah. example, what are these notes that are written with a pen by a robot and why, why is it useful? Well, yeah. anyone, first of all, if you're writing a, a condolence note, if you're writing a thank you note or some other heartfelt non-marketing note, don't use us. Use yeah. just go, actually handwrite the note yourself, uh, yeah. unless your handwriting is so bad that <laughs> that you that want is to use service <laughs> like ours. Yeah. What we're meant for anyone that's ever tried to write, for example, if you're an attorney 
a big use case for our attorney clients is sending notes to thank referral partners, people who've yeah. referred out business to you. And then notes second week of January to ring in the new year with all your clients and all your prospects. And then outbound notes to build referral networks, outbound notes to, and we generate all the leads, by the way, for referral networks. So outbound notes to accountants and wealth sure. managers and others who could be great referral partners. But anyone who's written at least, let's say four or five of these notes knows that after like four or five of them, you would rather give yourself a root canal with no, <laughs> with no anesthesia. With a rusty nail. <laughs> you know, with a rusty nail, then you would write more of these notes. It's yeah. not heartfelt, it's not fun, and your handwriting typically falls apart and then yeah. it's painful and so forth. And so yeah. what I did three and a half years ago, what I did, me being a proxy for our entire team, is we took this and we built these these robots with this software and these pens that hold the pen and write with the same pressure and slant and flow as a human in 15 nice. different fonts. And the feeling among the recipient is, wow, like this is, this is amazing. And we put a real first class postage stamp on the front, the envelope's handwritten, the yeah. note is stick stock and all this sort of stuff. And if they ever, back to your question about trust, so if they ever ask, hey, wow, you know, thank you so much for doing this. You say, actually, it was a, an assistant that, that did it for me. And it's a, it's a ro it's really cool. It's actually a robot that holds a pen and they write exactly like humans. So my, and ironically, they'll be even more interested in you then. Yeah, the yeah. You were totally upfront about it. And the yes. reality is the robots just save you a ton. Is the best and highest use of your time as an attorney handwriting right. notes or having your assistant or your office manager, right? It's not at all. Right. And we write, our notes are long, about 750 characters. So they really oh, allow nice. you to like, tell a story. And we have a full like template library. So we've, we've run thousands of campaigns across you know, millions of notes. So that's, that's my policy with anything with content is just to be super straightforward, super transparent. And then most of all, like with that voice memo, how we kind of started the podcast, it's about thinking how can I, of course, without violating client attorney privilege, is sure. just be totally upfront about everything you know, every yeah. secret, every hack. Help them be their own lawyer, if you will. I guarantee you they never will. It They'll come to you and then that that is the name of the game. So the way I see the notes coming in and resonating is as compared to like an email, like especially like an automated email. So what, what data do you have on how that lands? Because I'm thinking about like the mail. I, we hardly get any mail anymore because like everything is electronic and everyone's inbox is so overloaded that emails just kind of get totally missed and especially emails like that and you know filtered into certain folders and whatever and so an email like that is going to land a, a lot different than a physical note that actually arrives in your mailbox with the first class stamp and so what what do you know about how like if if an attorney or a firm previously had sort of an automated email system for that kind of a message as compared to like when they switch over to using like a mailed version of that same note, do you, have you got any kind of data or feedback about how different that kind of resonates with the recipient? 
Absolutely. So first of all, I'm a believer that you should just do everything. You should yeah. meet, again, meet your prospects, meet your clients, meet your referral partners where they are. And that people consume content in very different ways. You know, some people yes. read physical books. Others are tick, avid TikTok users. And by the way, TikTok is no longer just for like selling hoodies to 14 year olds. <laughs> There's a ton <laughs> of attorneys. There's yep. a ton of attorneys who are quietly yep. crushing it on yep. TikTok because it's so easy to get reach and engagement with yeah. TikTok. So you really want to meet people where they are. And so one yeah, thing I, I see this all the time when my right. clients were putting together a website and they're like, okay, what should I put on my contact page? Should I just, you know, there was a time when a contact page was a source of spam magnets and all of that. And so there was a lot of lawyers and law firms who, you know, lawyers jobs are to be risk averse. And so they wouldn't even put their email address on their website because of the fear of spam. And it's like, Okay, let's step this back for a minute because that is sort of the cost of doing business. And obviously we've come a long way from that and there's ways of, you know, kind of filtering out all that spam. But let's say, you know, six, eight years ago when that was a serious problem, do you really want to miss the potential client because you're worried about some emails of spam? Like, let's work around that because if I'm a potential client and I'm looking for your email and it's not there, I'm gonna be really irritated and I'm gonna just go to the next guy. So my recommendation on contact pages is throw it all out there. Give them your phone number, give them your email, get, have a contact form, do all the things until you know one is completely useless. And if you never, you put your fax number up there and you never ever ever get a fax from your website, then that's fine, take that down. But until you know for a fact that it's not necessary, put all the pieces there and like you're saying try all the different things because you can never quite know until you've tried if something's going to be a great source of traffic or interest or or whatever and you know you can't rule it out agreed agreed yeah it's fun i was talking to a realtor the other day and she was just shocked that of all the things other than our notes which perform really well for her the bus bench that she had bought the oh. single bus bench that she had bought for whatever reason was the thing that was that supercharged her yeah. business and so you never know so the whole point is to test everything with small yes. dollar amounts and you know ride the ride the winners and cut off the losers but back back yeah. to that question about performance so yes. the notes perform six times better than printed direct mail so that's yeah. a fact we've done tons of a b testing they get a near 100% open rate and then and then they get a super high response rate and then because and that's our, compared to other printed materials. Printed direct mail. Yeah. So the, so the question becomes, okay, what if someone's not checking their mailbox or rarely checking their mailbox or what, or it just didn't, you sent it to the wrong address, let's say. So here's yeah. the little secret with the notes that I didn't expect when I started the business. But now that we've run so many campaigns, we know it beyond a shadow of a doubt which is the notes are a Trojan horse and they take a cold audience and they turn it into a warm audience, even if they haven't received the note. Let me explain. So when you do follow up, think about, of course, state laws permitting if you're allowed to call folks yeah. or we, we supply all the email addresses of everyone you send notes to and all the social handles of everyone oh, you send nice. notes to. So now you can follow the user journey from the mailbox to the inbox, I call it. Oh, so you how cool. Take, it's really cool. And so even if they didn't receive the note, you can send them, because we give you their LinkedIn profile, you can send yeah. them a LinkedIn message. 
you can send them an email with a subject line, did you receive my handwritten note? Hey, oh, cool. I'm just, without selling them at all. Remember, selling is cringy at this stage. Yeah. So you want to, yeah. you're top of funnel here. So you want to say, I'm just wondering if you received my handwritten card. I sent yeah. it about a week ago. I sent it to this address. You will get a response because yeah. they'll either go check their mailbox, they'll engage with you and you just play the numbers game. And so you've sent notes to a hundred recipients Follow the fortunes and the follow-up. Everyone yeah. knows that, but they really practice it. And we give you in our app, we give you a fully filled out pre-built emails and all you do is click, send, click, send, click, send. And within minutes, you followed up with everyone and it's crazy the response you get because there's a lot of people that check their mailboxes, get the notes, and you have now evoked the most valuable thing of all as a marketer, which is reciprocity. And so nice. the person's gotten this beautiful note and they're like, oh yeah, thanks. And this is a rare situation of where you've reached out to a cold audience and they're super happy to hear from you. But attorneys yeah. for the most part, what they're doing with us is they're hitting current clients, they're hitting referral partners, and they're hitting prospective referral networks with the notes and the notes work like a charm. Yeah, that's awesome. And the reciprocity, two kind of things I was just gonna reiterate there, the reciprocity is like the Trader Joe's example. You know, like you, you've got this free little piece of cheese. <laughs> now I feel like I need to buy some of the cheese just because it's triggered that feeling of generosity and obligation in your brain. The other thing I wanted to kind of reiterate, underline, whatever, is this idea of testing and knowing, not knowing. Like, so I, I recently, yesterday, and probably at almost at least three or four times a week, have this conversation about marketing. And the question is, how can I be sure of the results? You know, how do I know how much I'm gonna make? How do I set a budget for this? How can I know what the future holds, basically? And the short answer is you don't. Marketing is trial and error. And you can put a lot of thought and planning and effort into your strategy and know that you've got a great message, know that you're going after the right group, know that you're gonna do it in XYZ ways because they're in these certain areas. But at the end of the day, you don't know for a fact if that bus bench is going to be the thing that really worked or if it's going to be, you know, whatever it might be. So, you know, I mention this all the time on this show where there's a lot of trial and error. But then once you have tried some things with a legitimate amount of time, you know, it sometimes takes a few months or whatever, depending on where you are, what you're trying. But once you've legitimately tried something, and you've got some kind of measurable results, the next most important thing in marketing is refining based on those results. So if you then never take a look at your numbers and never do anything based on your numbers, that's just as pointless as not having done it from the beginning. So you've gotta make sure that you're pointing your results and kind of refining them in that direction. So you take a look and you say, hey, that bus bench, that's doing great, okay. So now what, what can I do to do more of that? Is there another bus bench that on the next block can, that I can do? So that's where the strategy really comes into play, where you've got measurable results, you've got data, you can go back and say, okay, this is what worked. These other things didn't work and that wasn't a failure, that was data. And so let's just take that data and not do that and do this other thing, do more bus bunches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if there was a question in there, but I just wanted no, to kind no, of reiterate I'll, those I'll points. I'd love to just pick up on that. And yeah talk about that kind of attribution modeling. How do you how do you attribute ROI to any one marketing channel? And the bus yeah. bench can be problematic because it's hard to isolate variables because it's like 
well, I was doing the bus bench and I was doing this and I was doing that. Right. Was the bus bench actually responsible for bringing in Jane Smith as a client? And the thing about our notes, which is cool, is we give you three ways to track ROI beyond a shadow of a doubt. First is we put QR code stickers, unique QR code stickers on every single note. So for example, if you're that Austin corporate attorney, and let's say you focus on, I don't know, tech companies in Austin, we can generate all those leads. So we can find, let's say you want to target the founders of tech companies that have raised at least a series A or series B. So we can target the founders of those tech companies. So part of it is, is dropping, targeting your marketing. Like if you run a custom yes. campaign on Facebook, for example, or Instagram, right? A lot of it is in how do you build that custom audience? How do you make sure that you're targeting the right people? With a bus bench, it's a little bit more problematic, yeah. although you probably choose the, the zip code and the neighborhood and the streets that, that make the most sense to you. And then the second way is we provide you with a unique phone number on the note that has call tracking. With, yeah. a, with an area code that would be the Austin area code in, in that case. And so when someone calls that, you know that they came That's through where they came an from. audience. And then the third way, which is just foolproof, is we have a list of the people that receive the notes. So if Jane Smith received a note and she became a client, maybe we weren't 100% responsible for that, but you should certainly give us an assist. At right. a bare minimum. You can easily measure... ROI that way. So it's, yeah, yeah, it is key. And you make a great point about like, you know, attribute, how do you attribute ROI? And my, my experience share with folks after having you know, been, been a marketer for 25 years and still a student of marketing is you must test. And here's the key. You have to test enough advertising impressions so you don't get a false negative. The yes. successful attorneys that we've seen that have crushed it with our platform, they practice the 180 degree rule. When other attorneys are pulling back on their marketing because of macro headwinds, because yeah. of inflation, because of whatever yeah. else, these more forward looking, more ambitious attorneys, they go all in and they yes. know what happens during downturns. They know yeah. that the ones that practice 180 degree rule emerge from downturns way stronger than yep. their competition. And so what these people do is they're persistent and they're consistent and they're testing across all channels. And that's why creating that source content that I mentioned, where you give, 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 get, opening up that, like if anyone thinks, oh God, this is so overwhelming, like where do I even start? I would say yeah. start on your drive home today by opening up your voice memo and you're gonna sound really awkward. There's gonna be lots. <laughs> but who cares? The only person yeah. that's gonna hear it is a robot. <laughs> oh, exactly. And then and then just speak what you know. Yeah. That's it. And then most of all, like what you think would be useful to people. I have a little secret too. No one's interested in what you had for brunch on Sunday. Right. And oh, you know, gosh, no one yeah. wants to hear, you know, your epic morning routine. Yeah. No one wants to know how much you bench unless unless you're, you know, like a fitness. Unless consultant. that's your client. Yeah. Unless, unless that's your thing. So what they really yeah. want to know for them is like, how do I make the right choice 
with my decision to hire yeah. the right type of attorney for exactly yes. what, I, what I need. And you're there to help. You're there to, remember, you're there to guide more. You're there to assist more. You're there yeah. to help more, to educate more, to answer questions and mitigate problems more than anyone else. That yeah. should be the bar. Yes. Pun intended. Okay. Pun intended. <laughs> awesome. Okay, that is a good breaking point so that we can now go to the book review. So it is now time for the book review. And we have an amazing and inspirational library of books on the website where all of the previous guests have recommended books that sometimes relate to the topic, just sometimes it's a great book that they loved. Uh, and, but there's so many good books there. So definitely check that out. And Jesse, what is the book that you are going to recommend today that people add to their, their library? Lots of books I love, but I would suggest if you haven't read it already, M. Scott Peck wrote a book in the 70s called The Road Less Traveled. And I should have read the first paragraph before I appeared on this podcast, but it goes, <laughs> it goes something like life is difficult. And once you realize it's difficult, it gets so much easier. So even yes. if you think self-improvement is a little woo-woo or cringy, this is not at all. The Road Less Travel is a beautiful book that's helpful to anyone, in my opinion. That's awesome. Okay, that's a nice, good, succinct review. We will obviously link to the book on the library and all the show notes and all that stuff. That sounds like such a good one. Also, just kind of philosophically, just kind of taking these ideas and recognizing, I think what it comes down to and what you were talking about a minute ago in those kind of notes, memos that you're talking about is how to answer questions in your own unique way. And that ties into this whole idea of the road less traveled. Like don't try to be, there's probably some attorney that you've seen that's killing it in social media or on the website or whatever. Don't try to be that guy. Be yourself, do your own thing, because if you're trying to be somebody other than you, it does not come off as trustworthy. And it's just, like you said a few times, it's very cringy. Like, just don't do that. <laughs> do your own thing. Okay, so Jesse, what is one big takeaway that you'd like people to get from this episode? Give, 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 get. And by the way, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants because Alex Hermosi and Gary Vee and so many others that came before them have talked about this. And it's really yeah. just about your North Star being value and, you know, I did versus you should. Yeah. Well, and that's how they got to be those giants too, is they didn't, you know, get out there and just put their own resume up and then basically just have sort of a wall of information that you have to then go through or pay through or whatever. It's, I'm going to provide so much value. I'm going to give you hours and hours and hours of stuff on my YouTube channel, on whatever social media thing you're following, so much so that you feel like you maybe not, don't even need to hire me until all of a sudden you get to a point where you're like, oh, I think I need either that book or I need to hire them or I need whatever the, it, that thing is that they're trying to sell. But you don't get there until like step four, where you've already consumed a lot of their value and their content and all of that stuff. And you have to assume that's kind of the path that most people take. They're not going to just pick up the phone and hire you because they saw a picture of you on their website. They want to go through that process of understanding what you have to offer, taking in your value, getting all that information, and then feeling like, okay, this is the right move. This is the right firm for me, or you know, this is the answer to what I'm, I'm looking for. So awesome. I feel like that was really super valuable. So many good little 
like ideas and takeaways and websites and all that stuff, but then also some good philosophy on top of it. So Jesse Stein is the founder and CEO of audience.co, where you can find all this cool stuff with the cards and the process and the systems that you can go through that website and speed up your process, but also improve your results and get, you know, those, those great interactions with your clients. So check that out. We'll obviously link to that on the show notes and everything. But Jesse, thank you so much for being here. That was an awesome conversation. Thanks, Corinne. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.